Hello and welcome to the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield University in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast shares these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy today's episode. My name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here with AJ Tremello, Katie McConnell. It's July 20th, 2022. We're at their vineyard in Gaston. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Yeah. Uh, first question, as you know, to get started is why wine? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll take this to, to start. And I, it, for, before I even get into that, I do want to say thank you. I mean, what you guys uh, are doing is pretty incredible and important. As you guys are familiar and everyone's familiar, wine and culture and history have so much uh, interplay with one another. And the fact that you guys are documenting what's happening in the Valley, um, not only for this generation to look back and reflect on, but for future generations is, is really cool and really important. So um, cer- certainly want to say thank you uh, before we dive in. Um, Absolutely. Why wine uh, is, is definitely a question that, that I've thought uh, a lot about. And when you start tracing it back, um, you know, we, we only really got into wine in 2018, but if I think back to my childhood, I grew up in a rather large Italian-American family in New Jersey. So wine was certainly on the table. Uh, jugs of Carlo Rossi were, were you know, as present as food. Um, so wine was always present. I was never directly drawn to wine, but my family has a self-proclaimed famous t- tomato sauce, as, as most Italian <laughs> families do. And I, I do remember as a kid just being obsessed with like the ingredients. Where did the ingredients come from? Why was our sauce different than when I got at a restaurant or you know our relative's house or our friends and neighbors? And that decomposition really stuck with me. And as I grew up and started to make the sauce myself, of course, added my own little tweaks. Hopefully my dad's not watching this, but um, I, I really wanted to do everything from scratch and I wanted to understand, you know, are the ingredients local? Can I do this locally? Like why, you know, there's the DOP system in Italy. And that was actually kind of my first introduction into, you know, what mirrors a lot of, you know, modern wine laws. But it, but it was that decomposition of this tomato sauce that I think really kind of set me on this journey, unbeknownst at the time. I drank wine, um, don't think I really had a huge appreciation for it. Uh, at the time. And then as I got older, and I can get into my background in a bit, but I was in law school in Athens, Georgia. Um, and this kind of has stuck with me as another kind of pivot point, I think, that, that kind of led me to where we are today. There was a new brewery called Creature Comforts um, in, in Athens that opened. And, you know, me and my roommates were there on, on day one. And, you know, we became obsessed with craft beer, uh, largely through that medium. And again, Creature Comforts was focused not only on trying to source local ingredients and create a really high quality, beautiful product, but also giving back to the community and supporting the community. And it it kind of furthered me not only into, hey, what goes into craft beer, but how people use these platforms, not only to make something beautiful and delicious that, you know, we connected over all too often uh, in law school, my, my roommates and I, but again, also how, how they kind of uh, it played into the community. So I, I feel like looking back, it was all these moments like understanding source, you know, understanding community that when we finally came out here in 2018 and, and we could tell that story, I, you know, Katie, I'll obviously let, let you have a, a bite at this question too. But I feel like all of that stuff kind of 
led me into wine eventually in the sense that it's this in, it's it's an ingredient right in in wine it is largely the only ingredient in wine and is very reflective of locality and place and community and again trying to understand why one wine tastes different than another regardless of if they're the same variety a different variety a blend of varieties um, became really fascinating and, and I think largely led us to to where we are today not just you know wanting to to make wine and starting that journey which which we are but kind of really starting at the source, getting, trying to trace it back as far as possible and get our hands and try and learn and understand really, you know, at the beginning of where, you know, we hope that, that our wine uh, brand eventually goes. Um, so that, that kind of leads us up to 2018 and, and I'll let you go before we talk about our, our kind of experience coming out to Oregon for the first time yeah. and our introduction to wine. Yeah. So conversely, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a family that really drank much growing up. I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, had no idea that owning a vineyard or, you know, becoming a winemaker or being in the industry, was something that is even possible that was so far removed from, you know, where I was living and my lifestyle at the time. Um, so it really wasn't a huge part of my childhood growing up. Um, you know, I of course started, drinking wine once you know that was a possibility and I think anyone, 21 of yeah course. of course um and I you know I think anyone who knew me in college would know that I was a casual drinker of wine um but you know I think it was always you know kind of something that was there but I didn't have any intentionality behind it um and so I had a feeling you were going to ask this question so since I don't have that rich history with it you know growing up I kind of thought of it more of you know, why do we keep coming back to wine and why did we change our lives to, you know, pursue wine and to live this lifestyle? And it's, you know, really more of a speaking point about wine and how it can, can connect all of us. Um, so, you know, I was thinking about what does it mean to me? And, um, you know, at its core, like AJ mentioned, it's a simple agricultural product, you know, it's just like the tomatoes that you get from the farmer's market or, you know, any other piece of produce but why does it why does it instill so much in people who drink it and inspire so much creativity and it's viewed as a piece of art rather than you know a, a piece of produce and you know thinking about that you know and why we really fell in love with it um you know it's because it it transcends so many things it's a starting point for you know, learning about sustainability and, you know, environmentalism and learning history and of a place and who was making it. And it really has a way to capture so many different people and to pull them in and to provide a connection point. And really, you know, it's, it's a connection point for opening a glass of, you know, a bottle of wine and sharing it with your friends. And I think, you know, those are all of the things that made this the right decision for us. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's very really beautiful. And, you know, I, I do think wine is, is transcendent in this way and yeah. different than other beverages may be or other agricultural products may be. And as much as we love and love to support the, the local farmers markets and, yeah. and enjoy local produce and, and local meats and w wine is different. Wine, wine has this ability to, to have a platform maybe. And, and I'm sure the conversation will venture into that at some point, but you know, what, what maybe that platform can do and, you know, to maybe better the industry and, you know, our, our kind of views on, on where we think we would like to, to use this, you know, hopeful, hopefully eventual 
eventual platform to, to do that. But I know we kind of alluded it. So, and why wine? Um, I, I guess our answers were a little bit more theoretical. Um, but there's also kind of the other side to the story, like why wine in, in Oregon? Mm-hmm. Um, born and raised in New Jersey. I, I lived in, in the South. Um, I went to school, undergraduate in Florida. I went to law school um, at the University of Georgia. Um, and then we met in, in Atlanta, Georgia, and then uh, lived together in Charlotte, North Carolina, where, where Katie is from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd never really had any exposure to, to the West Coast. I'd, I'd never actually been to, to the West Coast. <laughs> I, I had a layover in, in LA once in my one <laughs> and only time in Las Vegas, but that was, that was my only West Coast uh, experience, really. Um, and we, we moved to Charlotte and we actually got invited by a couple of friends to go out to Napa and we had probably never, you know, purchased a wine outside of the grocery store and probably never paid more than $10. And (laughs) we probably, you know, said all the, you know, things that everybody hears about is like, oh, it's really all the same, et cetera, et cetera. And again, up until that point, which was probably about 2017, um, that, that is kind of what I thought, despite, you know, uh, being connected to wine since, since I was a kid, but it, it wasn't this beverage to be revered. It was just always on the table. It was to be enjoyed. Even, even as a kid, sorry, mom and dad, they did let us try it uh, <laughs> at, a, at a younger age than was legally permissible. Sometimes cut with a little bit water, sometimes just, just a taste. Um, but again, wine was present, but it, it, it really wasn't until 2018 when we came out here that, that wine kind of took on this larger life and, and really diverted our, our own lives in, in such a major way. But so we got invited to Napa. We thought that would be, be great, right? Nice little wine country vacation. And uh, that trip ended up falling through. And so Katie and I were sitting there and we're like, well, we have the time off work. You know, let's do something. Let's, let's go somewhere. It was already going to be wine country. Let, let's do that. And Katie, you know, loves Cabernet and um, would have fit perfect with Napa. <laughs> I always kind of enjoyed lighter styles of red. And I was like, okay, like where in America could we go? I, I knew enough to know that Napa was more four-bodied Cabernets, Merlots, Bordeaux blends. And I was like, where can we go in America uh, that we haven't been and that is going to have something a little lighter? And so that's kind of how we landed on Oregon. Yeah. Almost by chance. There, it, it was no deeper no deeper that. than a direct flight from yeah. Charlotte to Portland. Also very true. Yes, yeah, there was a direct flight, flight um, <laughs> which there is not a ton of direct flights even yeah. now between Portland and some of the places that we live on the East Coast. Down. But yeah. yeah, so we kind of came out here and once we kind of decided, we put together this itinerary and we started, okay, what are the you know top wineries in America? What are the top wineries in Oregon? And started cross-referencing all these lists. And we've always been very, very big into... To food so that was uh, obviously very attractive with Portland so again scoured probably 10 different lists cross-reference okay this one's on five of them I actually <laughs> think I do still have a spreadsheet that that, that did that um, and so we put together this whole itinerary we we chose the wineries uh, we ended up staying half the time down in McMinnville for the first half um, at a bed and breakfast there and then the second half in uh, Dundee at a bed and breakfast in in Dundee and this is this is kind of where things uh, radically got shift shifted, um, and is th- th- there was a laundry list of wineries that that we went to, um, you know the the Iries, the the classics, right? Who 
you know, are still some of my favorite wines today. Um, and that was, this is like our introduction. So, so we really started at a really good place. Again, some thanks to Google. So somewhat intentionally, but, but without this really strong knowledge of wine and, um, the, the wine that we actually have in our glass, at least for me personally, is kind of the wine that essentially altered the course of my life. Um, which seems like really like monumental to say, right? Like that something altered the course of our life, but but it did, and we so we visited Antica Terra um, and just had a phenomenal hospitality experience, um, and it, it was the Antiquitra wine that really stuck out to me, um, and I was like, wow, this is this is different. Mm-hmm. This is different than the grocery store wines that that we've been drinking. Like, and and so in kicked that curiosity um, that I mentioned earlier about like decomposing things. Like, why why is this so different? You know, why are the prices different? What goes into it? Um, and, and that kind of opened the rabbit hole a little bit. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'll let you talk about anything I missed in, in the trip, but um, that that's kind of like the pivotal moment for me that sticks out. And I, we've talked about this a lot too. It wasn't only the wine, um, but- It was the experience. Yeah. It was the- uh... The, the way that people welcomed us when we came, you know, the first place that we stopped in the valley was Carlton Winemaker Studio. Yeah, yeah. And um, we did a tasting there. And we were just struck by the fact that we said, oh, this is what we're doing the rest of the day. And they said, oh, we can we can make a call for you. You should go this place. You should go that place. Yeah. And as outsiders, you know, we viewed that as, you know, you're recommending us to your competition. You know, that's such a strange different mentality and we were really just struck by the community and you know the way that people you know wanted they were so excited about their product but they really wanted you to see what someone else was doing and their take on it and they just they really you know everyone here really feels like rising tides lift all all ships and we were just we just fell in love with that mentality um yeah yeah and it it, the the community aspect is is funny because again we knew nothing like we were the people in the tasting room that (laughs) <laughs> were a blank slate, probably asking low-hanging fruit questions, probably some some questions that people may have laughed about in, in private, but <laughs> that it, we truly didn't know anything. But at at no point during that entire trip did, did we ever feel dumb. Did anyone ever make us feel small or like we didn't know what we were talking about? There was just like this excited generosity of mm-hmm. sharing about their own wines, about the valley. I remember the one of the wines at Carlton Winemaker Studio had the tartrate crystals, on the bottom of the cork and we thought it was the coolest thing ever like they looked like little little shards of like beautiful glass and uh, uh, we, we kept it i think yeah. we were like oh can we keep the cork and they're like yeah absolutely you can keep, keep yeah the cork. you can have that um, <laughs> but it was just like it th- these like hospitality impressions you know made i think as much of an impact on us as as the wine and and, and that's what we had more familiarity with, right? Like we'd, we'd always loved restaurants and community and, and eating local. And so we were able to connect, I think, a lot more quickly with that aspect than, than we were with wine. Like I said, the, the curiosity was sparked with wine. Um, but kind of the lasting impact, I think, was the community. So much as I remember our last day, we w- drove back up to Portland and the flight was at night. And 
we were just kind of walking around the waterfront and Katie and I looked at each other and we're like, man, like we, we could, we could move here. I could see us living here. Yeah. We were at that point in vacation. We were like, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. Should, <laughs> we should come, you know, we should um, live here. <laughs> yeah. And, and it really, it, it was a little bit of a joke, but like kind of looking at one another, yeah. like, you know, do, do, do we want to live somewhere else eventually? And, you know, then you go back and you fall back into your routine at your normal jobs. And it, it did kind of start that curiosity where we started traveling to other wine regions um, and we're fortunate enough to, to visit quite a few that have become our favorite. Um, never felt the same way about the, the community and, and it's not a knock on any other wine industries, some, some phenomenal experiences that we had, but there was, there was just something about this place that, yeah. that really stuck with us and it, it, it was really special and we, kept joking around like uh, you know maybe we'll move to Oregon maybe we'll move to the west coast much to the chagrin of my mother in particular um, <laughs> who is, is still horrified that I moved 3,000 miles away uh, but we, we kept joking about it and it became like a little bit less of a joke each each time and yeah. and again wine was kind of rising in the background of all this but it, it really started with like man like it, it there's so many special people out there be a great community to you know eventually raise kids and raise a family mm-hmm. um and we ended up coming back a couple times and each time we're you know i think feeling it out a little bit you're coming every different season to make yeah. sure you know we could deal with the rain we yeah. could deal with the you know the winters and you know testing the waters out yeah and then spent two weeks here in in 2020 yeah for our honeymoon uh we were a covid wedding and um you know, obviously our, our original plan was to go abroad and, you know, do the more of the traditional honeymoon. And when we ultimately decided to keep our, our wedding date for, for 2020, um, we still had two weeks off of work and we're like, where can we go? You know, and so decided we'd come and see if we like spending two weeks in Oregon. So, yeah, it was kind of yeah. a trial, <laughs> um, <laughs> unbeknownst to most people, but besides us and I don't think like we even fully acknowledged it at the time. It was like we both were thinking about it and kept joking about it, but I don't it was like an, an unspoken reality at that point. Yeah. Like I felt like we'd crossed a threshold where it was like, let's just do the two weeks and it's, you know, not midsummer, which the we'd come yeah. the first time in I think May, May or beautiful. June. May. It was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so we're like, let's come in late October um, and spend two weeks and, and see what it's like. And yeah. there was rain and cold and wind. Yep. Um, it was the full Oregon experience. Um, and I think it was after our honeymoon that, you know, it started to become less of, you know, an open secret and more we're like, you know, is this something that we, yeah. we want to consider? And At one point I was like, oh, I think AJ's serious. I think, <laughs> I think we have to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta go. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've always been a person that's embraced large changes. Um, and, you know, thankfully yeah. my parents kind of pushed me in that direction. I, you know, was 18, got this decision for the first time, like, where do you want to live? And I had a sister who went to school down in Florida. Uh, Florida seemed really nice with beautiful, warm weather um, compared to New Jersey. And, you know, when you're choosing college up north, generally, it's kind of like the late fall, early winter. So it's pretty miserable in South Jersey at that point. Um, so I committed to, to Florida Atlantic and, um, kind of embraced going out on my own. And, you know, I had very fortunate to have a really strong family structure, 
but I was like, you know, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's try something new. Um, and then, you know, moving up to Georgia for law school and then, you know, moving with Katie to, to Charlotte, um, and, you know, having to, to find a new job, but really just embracing that change, um, and, and, and searching for a new experience. So I think mentally it was relatively easy for me to make the decision to move out here and start this kind of new adventure. And I felt like, you know, we were at the perfect age where, you know, we were fortunate enough to have this decision to make, um, mm -hmm. certainly. And we decided like, it's now or never, like, let's, let's make it because the, the longer we talk about it and the older we get, the less likely it is that you're going to uproot, you know, your lives. Like, you know, th the roots dig deep and deep and deep. And the longer you stay some place, the harder it is to, to get those out. Um, so I think we felt like it was, the, the roots were shallow enough at that point to, to kind of pull them up and, and plant them somewhere else. And, and that's what we did. So I, for me, it was easy. I, I, I don't want to say it was easy for you. We lived in Charlotte, obviously, where your, your parents lived. So it was certainly a much different dynamic. Yeah, at the time. I mean, it it wasn't easy in the sense of you know leaving everything that you've known, but at the same time, it was. I knew it. I just knew in my like in my bones that it was right. So yeah, you know, it was like scary, but we were like, we'll do it. You know, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, and everyone's we haven't really talked a ton about <laughs> about wine. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll, we'll get back to wine. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, what was yeah. what was the plan before wine? What was uh, you mentioned law school? What what where were you going? What were you work, What were you doing before you came here? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, so I I also went to law school. I went to UNC for undergrad and for law school. Go heels. Um, and then you know as AJ mentioned, we were both right out of law school when we met in Atlanta. We were both working for law firms down there. I don't know that I ever knew that I wanted to be a lawyer growing up, but I was an econ major in college and. I don't know what you do with that. Um, <laughs> and a lot of my good friends were going to law school. And I think at the time it seemed like a great way to extend college for three more years. Um, so kind of fell into law school and ended up actually really, really liking it and loving it. I love, I love doing, you know, client services and feeling like I'm helping people day to day, which kind of relates to wine, you know, hospitality, <laughs> yeah. that, that mentality. And so, you know, it, it kind of up ended up being the right decision at the right time and had always just, you know, assumed that I would continue along on that path. And so, you know, when this kind of, when this entered our life, you know, it was, it was just a big change and, you know, so. Yeah. And, and we met when you were practicing law, well, we were both practicing law at the time. And yeah. In, in Atlanta. I mean, um, I, yeah, and I still practice law. Yeah, so. you do still, <laughs> still practice. Katie is a very successful lawyer. Uh, I, I'm a retired lawyer, I will, I will say. Um, not retired from working, but retired from, from the profession of law. Um, I was kind of different. I, I, I think I always wanted to go to law school as a kid. I loved John Grisham books. He loves um, to argue. <laughs> yeah, which was always like the, the trope, right? Like, oh, AJ. And again, Italian-American family, a lot a lot of arguing no at kidding. the table. No um, a lot of like arguments that really escalate. And then as soon as they're over, they're over. And everybody gets back to their yeah. their food and their wine, which I think makes Katie uncomfortable sometimes <laughs> still. Um, as like, I'll go home and we'll have heated arguments over anything. Anything. Um, it could be from sports to politics to whatever. There's always an argument going on. Um, and I think sometimes it'll make Katie nervous, but it's like, <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. Like, 
Uh, sometimes people need a little bit of a cooling off period, but but it's yeah, all good. We're, I'm slowly becoming an honorary yeah. Italian. Yeah, yeah we're Italian Americans. So. <laughs> it's it's just just how we grew up. Um, this, is, this is just how we talk. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of hands. Um, Katie was like, "Should we bring the nice wine glasses up? Like you're going to be like emoting a lot with your hands." And we we went for it, but um, we'll see if it lasts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but so I think I always like had this idea that I wanted to to be a lawyer. Um, and and I, it ranged from like what I wanted to do was probably whatever the latest John Grisham book that I'd read was kind of like the area of law <laughs> that I wanted to go into. So uh, I mentioned I, I went to Florida Atlantic down in Boca Raton, Florida for a year and then ended up transferring up to the University of Central Florida, um, which I think is now the third largest university in the country. And it kind of drew me there. Um, they had a bigger sports program and infrastructure and I grew up playing sports and loving sports and uh, still love sports to this day, but you know th that attracted me. Um, so I visited some friends at UCF. So you know, ended up transferring there. I was a political science major. So you know, again, it, what do you do with that? <laughs> yeah, and and the point was like, well, I'm gonna go to law school. Like, um, you know, candidly, I chose a major that I thought would be pretty easy. Um, and you know, undergrad was was relatively easy. Uh, UCF is is a party school, and um, I embraced that and. It wasn't until I got to law school that I think I, you know, was like, oh, you know, I can I can coast by a little bit um, was not the case. I think there was times that I struggled in law school, um, but met some of the most in incredible people there, you know, was introduced to, to craft beer. Kind of that was kind of the first time, as I talked about earlier. And, you know, I, I, I loved it. And I, I practiced law for about a year. Mm -hmm. Um, outside of Atlanta, uh, doing insurance defense, uh, did not love that in, in any way. <laughs> um, uh, and you know, I, I met Katie, um, and the stars kind of aligned and Katie at the time ended up, you know, applying for jobs back in Charlotte. And it was, you know, I, I think we knew that the long distance thing was, was not going to work out. Like, I don't think that was for us. And it was like, okay, do I, you know, stay in my job or do I, you know, look for something in Charlotte? And um, again, I made that big decision and I said, you know, I'm going to look for a job in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and by then I was a little bit disillusioned with the legal field and I had a really, really great mentor in law school. And I reached out to her and she said, you know, AJ, you don't have to be a lawyer. Like, you have a degree and it's going to get you seats at tables. But like, do whatever you want. Like, do do risk management. What do you like? And she was my banking law professor, and I I really enjoyed studying the financial system, and it was probably my favorite class. I didn't do really. She also taught one L contracts. Did not do well in that class, but for whatever reason, really gravitated towards her, and and I loved this banking law course. And so I was like, well, let me, let me apply for jobs doing like risk management. At, at banks and and that's what i do today i, I work at ally bank um doing regulatory stress testing um for for ally and and i and i really do enjoy it and love it and i i felt like i i found the right career mm -hmm. for me um that is the right pivot yeah took my parents a long time to be like so you're not a lawyer you're not practicing law and i'm like no but i you know i'm, I'm much happier but i think it was a little <laughs> bit 
it was a little bit like, well, you, are you a doctor or a lawyer? Like, what, you know, what do we tell our friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gauging our own success on on your success here, AJ. So, um, you know, so so that's how we made our way to to Charlotte, and that's how I, you know, entered kind of the the banking industry, and I'm actually still in the same role as as I took six years ago, um, when I first moved, uh, to Charlotte, and you know, was was very happy. Charlotte is a fantastic city. I mean, we really loved living there. We, we had a great group of friends. There's, you know, a really emerging, you know, beer scene. There's a, a really great restaurant scene, you know, all, all things that we connected really closely with. Um, there, there's uh, several great wine shops now yeah. um, that, that, that we discovered um, once yeah, we got back from that trip. Yeah. And I think kind of to pivot back to our journey here, you yeah, know what I'll we, ramble <laughs> forever. And it may not be coherent always, I'll but I, I'll talk. <laughs> um, you know, we came back from Oregon and found, you know, a wine shop there in Charlotte, Petit Philippe. It's amazing. They have a similar palette as us, and yeah. they really kind of taught us a lot about, you know, other wine regions or, you know, other small, lo- you know, small producers that you're not going to find in a, you know, a big box store. And but they had a lot of Willamette Valley wine, they had a is, lot of, is yeah. what drew us. And yeah. so we went there and we looked at the shelves and it's like, okay, they have, you know, this producer that we loved when we were out there, like this producer that we heard about and we didn't get to try. Um, so it was like really curated and kind of just like aligned to, again, at that time, our very minimal wine knowledge, but there was enough to go off of that. We're like, okay, like, yeah, you know, we're really curious about wine, like, they were really important and kind of like guiding us mm-hmm. on the journey. And I feel like this interview is like a lot of people for, again, like my parents to blame on, you know, why, why we're out here. Um, but Petit Philippe, definitely, yeah. definitely a culprit. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, um, no, that's all I was saying. And then I think it just was a great way to open our eyes and to learn more and to really continue the curiosity that, that we had developed out here. Yeah. You know, and you took that. An, an entire step further but <laughs> yeah I, I i again I, I think i do have like a a personality that lends itself to like obsessions and going yeah. down rabbit holes and you know once i kind of got bit by the wine bug and started learning more about it um i ended up taking the the wset three exam i think that was in 2020 yeah, it was, yep. 2020 it started yeah because the class was ended up getting shifted online um, and I think that was another moment too, where it was almost like, you know, Katie was like, okay, if you pass the exam, maybe we can think about like moving yeah. to, to yeah, wine country. Like, Let's see. Um, but like, I think we were like building up like these false barriers, right? Like, cause it, again, it was a relatively big, a huge decision to, to move 3000 miles away. So I think in your mind, you know, you kind of got to get over that a little bit and, so, you know, I, I ended up doing the WSET three and, you know, I, I passed it. Thank God. So, um, <laughs> opened up the, the opportunity to move out here. And I, I, I think we kind of jumped it at that point. Not that, and the, the WSET program was, was great. It was great for me because it provided structure. I want to learn everything about everything all at once. Um, and for, for me at that time, it was a lot of like French wines and a lot of Willamette Valley wines and um, pretty much like what Petit Philippe carried at the time. And the WSET gave me structure to, okay, learn about other things. Mm-hmm. Like w- what other wine regions are, are, are out there? 
and and it forced me to do that um and so in that way it, it really was was great and it does teach you a little bit bit about production and um unfortunately being virtual like i didn't get to build those bonds with like classmates and like tasting groups which um was was really unfortunate but but it really was big for me to be like okay i i have the capacity to learn at some base level about this and now i have a little bit wider lens you know what what piece of this is really attractive i, I obviously love drinking wine but everything kind of kept coming back to that decomposition of like where does it start um and the production side really just kept calling back to me um particularly like it it, it and i i've told katie this um so i know Catherine cole has a quote that she said before that like wine is like a gateway drug to sustainability apologies if i butchered the quote but it's something like that <laughs> and 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 for me it really was was the truth like that kind of really got me thinking about like the environment and climate change and and how all of these different impacts interplay with with wine and you know our relationship with this beverage and and land and um it it, it really was a really important thing to me and and all of this just coming back to like the production side the growing side and um i think that's kind of what led us to to wanting to get into the industry on on this side and and sitting in in this place that that we're sitting in and it we we love and and we got to make a little bit of wine last year and we we love that and we're going to continue doing that through through our own wine brand um but we thought like if we're going to do this in the way that that we want then it needs to start here like yeah we have to control the source we have to be involved in every process and yeah that's that's the type of people we kind of are. I'm, I'm definitely a control freak, but, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, like it was important to us to have, you know, a connection to the source and to the land that we're working with and to really be hands-on for the entire experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for us, that was, that was the only way for us to get into the industry Yeah. in our minds. I mean, I'm sure that, yeah, as you know, everyone has their own path, but yeah. that's, the, that was the clearest one for us. And, and there's so many, like, I, I feel like, and in a lot of ways, I guess I'm getting a little heady here, but like how <laughs> fragile, like the path is to get to this place. Like so many small decisions, if they would have pivoted somewhere else, we, we wouldn't be sitting here yeah. today. And, and it, it, A, makes you really appreciative of, of kind of the fragility of life and decision-making, but <laughs> it, it truly does. And uh, it, it, it just, it really does amaze me to think like, man, if we had made this decision versus yeah. that decision and, you know, to, to not visit the Willamette Valley, to not go to, you know, specific wineries that, that triggered our interest, to, to not meet certain people that, you know, kind of came in to our lives and, you know, maybe just w somebody we met one time and, you know, they may never realize the impact that they, they have in really drastically altering the course of our lives to where we're sitting here today is is really cool and, and and it is truly something that i think about a lot and i i think it's good in a way because it makes me so so appreciative of the community of people here and because again that was such a big impact on us and again it's it's people that will never know that they had that impact but it really stresses to you just like a, a way of life and a way of of treating people that you know you hope you have that impact mm -hmm. on yeah. somebody someday so it's it's a it's been a really inspiring journey certainly to this point
just got really heavy out here for a moment. That's, yeah, that's, sorry. That's awesome. I think the shade is fading away. Yeah, <laughs> bringing the heat. Yeah. <laughs> so you you're you're at that point where you're the decision is is made. You're 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 leaning Oregon. So tell yeah. me about this space. Tell me about finding this and about what you were looking for and kind of how the process unfolded. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we you found Peter and Matt, who I'm sure you have heard referenced a million times. Yeah. Uh, we found them somehow and and ended up reaching out to them. I, uh, to look for a property. Yeah, I, I just found their, uh, I forget the name of their website, the like Oregon Vineyard property, I think it is. Something very yeah. simple. And one of the listings was like private. And I sent Peter a message and um, turns out the website was a little outdated. It was no longer private. So he sent me all over the, the information. But yeah, um, we came out here and we, you know, we looked for a few different, we looked at a few different places. Um, and this was actually the last place we looked at, yeah. uh, one day and, you know, I, th- we fell in love with it. You know, it was, it was April. It was beautiful. It was, you know, I mean, it was not quite as overgrown as yeah. it is right now, but you know, we fell in love, but you know, it was, it wasn't quite attainable for us at the time. It was kind of a reach property. And, yeah. you know, we said we've got to go back to charlotte we've got to think about it you know no matter what we're moving out to portland to get closer to the industry and so we started that process um and then i remember i was at work one day in the middle of the summer and i was looking at the listing and i on zillow and i said shoot um <laughs> yeah <laughs> cancel is under contract yeah. and yeah that's the name of our vineyard cancel vineyard and i was it, I realized how upset I was, you know, like, um, yeah, kind yeah, of, you ran downstairs to tell me yeah. this. Um, yeah. and I, yeah, I, I very distinctly remember like how upset you were. And yeah. I thought we had kind of written it off. Like it just, it, the cards, you know, it just wasn't in the cards at, at, at that point. Um, and I remember how upset you were about it. And, you know, I, I think it reaffirmed like, you know, there's something about that, that particular place, yeah. but you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah, and um, so we moved back, we moved to Portland in August of last year. You know, yeah. like I said, we, we were able to work remotely, which, yeah, which was a huge blessing. Huge. A, a, another one of those steps that, you know, you ask the question and if you get told no, maybe it never happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but both of our jobs, maybe somewhat reluctantly, let us, <laughs> let us do it. And in large part because of the pandemic, right? Like I was already working remotely. You were already working remotely. Um, and it, it, once we got the, okay, it was like, well, now we asked the question now, now we have to do it. Yeah. Um, so, so many of these moments just that we almost talked ourselves out of it mm-hmm. and then just got to a point where it just felt overwhelmingly like the right thing and the right thing for us at the time. Um, but sorry, <laughs> back, back to this particular um, place. Yeah, so we moved out here and kind of had thought, you know, we'll make wine in our garage or mm-hmm. in our basement at our rental in Portland. And, you know, we'll start trying to get our... Don't you know, tell the rental company. That that yeah, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll start getting to know people more and, you know, continue to look for properties. And, you know, this one didn't work out, but we'll find, we'll find another one. Um, and then, you know, I think... Peter and Matt reached out and they said, you know, that deal happened to have fallen, you know, fallen through and, you know, Ken, you know, was interested in still selling and, you know, we had an East Coast connection with him. And so, um, 
you know, they said, are you still interested? And, and, you know, it was a no brainer for us. We were going to figure out a way to make it work. You know, like if you stand, you know, right where we are right now and look down the valley, like it, it's just, it's, I, I don't even, I don't have words for yeah. it. Like, it's just, you feel like it's magic. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's something like really beautiful and special about this place. We love that it's a cooler climate site, you know, global warming is something that we certainly thought about. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it had already hit. been, been organically farmed, which was, was really, really important to us. Yeah. Um, you know, not, we would have done that with any property. Um, but there was also room here. Well, A, there was a house. We, yeah. we, we really were adamant that if we're going to do this in the way that we want to do it and believe that for us it should be done, then we need to live there. There's a massive learning curve. We, we are at the, the very beginning of that learning curve, and, and we understand that. And we felt like living here would help us navigate that so much quicker you know, get closer to the vines, understand kind of like the day-to-day rhythms of, of this place and what the management company is doing and why they're doing it and, and really being as hands-on as possible. We felt like, you know, there had to be a house. So there was the house here. There's also room. I think ideally our goal is to farm as naturally as possible. So we needed room for something other than a vineyard. And right now there's there's these woods, there's all the property, down below um, as you drive up into the vineyard for farm animals and other crops and and other things which you know we personally believe is going to allow us to make the highest quality wine from this particular site and the truest expression of wine from this site but was something that that needed to be on the property that that we eventually bought so this property had it all and you know with some of this stuff as you alluded to there's feeling too right like a you kind of have to have the ability to to make it work and we were fortunately fortunate enough to have the ability to make it work but you also have to have a feeling and i feel like there's so much in wine that it's intuition and it's following your gut and and there's a huge science component and chemistry component and you know we're, we're navigating you know those realms too and um it's been a blast and you you do need to have an understanding of that but there's also so many pivot points in the growing process or the winemaking process that you know the, the best wines in the world are are made with uh, I'll say a little bit a, a lot of of intuition and you have to do a lot of things right uh, leading up to that point but it, it, it a lot of it is gut feeling and you know starting out with with just the vines we we had a gut feeling about this place and we we didn't think that even at the time, like we, we thought that there was a lot more potential here and, and we still, and it's going to take years to realize that, mm-hmm. that potential. Mm-hmm. Um, but we felt like we weren't starting at a conventionally farmed vineyard. We, we were yeah. starting at least somewhere I'll call organics kind of the middle, right? Um, you know, there was less damage done here than, than some other places. And we really thought like, okay, that we, we can work with this. Yeah. And, uh, so many, so many things to say, but another decision, you know, like a big factor in us when we were looking for properties was we wanted it to have enough that we could sell a portion of our grapes. Yeah. You know, people were like, you want to, you want at least 15 acres and you know, are you sure about that? Um, and sometimes we're like, well, the 15 you... contiguous acres is, yeah. is, is important for separate reasons, yeah, but, but, um, um, you know, 
we were in sometimes they were right that it yeah. was you know maybe a big undertaking <laughs> but you know we've continued we've continually said that the community here is so important to us and part of what we want to do with this project is to always sell a portion of our grapes to other winemakers in the community so that we can see what they do mm-hmm. with, yeah. with our grapes um and there's 20 acres in the vineyard yeah um uh, almost all Pinot Noir. Um, there is about an acre of, of Chardonnay. Which um, will be uh, our brand exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> we, we will get to play around with that for the first time. Yeah. We, we made two tons from this property last year. Um, and it, it, so I, I think our goal is to never take more than half. Because yeah. like you said, like I, one of the great things about this is is community, but also like inspiration and, and wine is inspirational. Bottles of wine are inspirational. And sometimes I'll, I'll find myself, you know, on a Tuesday night, like if, you know, I'm not feeling creative or if I'm feeling a little down, like you open a bottle of wine for so many reasons, but a lot of times it's, it's to be inspired and it kind of gives you this goal to, you know, this is what we're working for. Maybe not to make this wine or, or that specific wine, but to think about how those wines are made and, and the processes behind those and, and the reason those people are doing what they're doing. And, and you get inspired by that and it, it kind of brings you back and reminds you why you're doing this. So to be able to have other winemakers who we love and respect getting to work with this fruit, A, kind of feels like a dream. And yeah. the first time we met a lot of these people, it's like you're meeting like to you, like celebrities, right? Like. <laughs> these, these people are celebrities uh yeah. th- like and you're like eyes glaze over um and and now to you know be able to work with some of those in you know sometimes a, a very imposter syndrome feeling yeah. capacity but huge to, to to get to meet them and and learn from them and and some of them are going to be making fruit from you know this property is is really incredible and you know i i never want to lose that personally i don't think you ever want to lose that and so having other people make expressions of this, I feel like is this sites, maybe not highest use. I don't know if vines anywhere are probably the highest use of land, but it is, it, it's going to allow us to get different expressions and allow, you know, Cancilla Vineyard to, to reach its potential. Yeah. And we don't think that that's just us filtering our own vision through this property, but having a diversity of thought and winemaking and, you know, being able to enjoy them all for, for different reasons and hopefully getting them all on a table someday and getting to try them all side by side, not to compare them to one another, but just to see like all of the different nuances that can come from from one site and, and a site that, you know, we hope to to farm as thoughtfully and, and as naturally as possible. And, you know, getting back to the platform that we alluded to earlier, you know, hopefully using that as as a small platform 20 acres isn't isn't large in the grand scheme of things but you know hopefully it, it gives us enough to to influence one person two people um or at the very least just you know at the end of the day feel like you know we are doing what we can to contribute not only to the land but to the community the people that come out here and and work it and you know understanding all it takes to farm and manage a vineyard and you know understanding your own responsibilities as kind of the temporary stewards of this place again not only to the environment but to all of the different people in the wine community Mm -hmm. at every level not just the ultimate consumers or not just you know the the people that are traditionally thought of as the winemakers but 
you know, really trying to look at the model and understand how we can impact the most people via this platform that we chose. Sorry, end rant <laughs> for now. Yeah. Before we go on, are you doing okay in the yeah, sun? I'm you want to move? I've got okay. some sunglasses. Are you sure? Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So. Uh, are you doing okay? Yeah, right. Because we can move back. F fantastic. Okay. Uh, so tell me about the learning process so far. Uh, learning your site, learning how to how to manage a vineyard, how to run a vineyard, and tell us about kind of next steps with with the space. Yeah. yeah I can I can start. Sure. Um, so. Um, right now, uh, a lot of the learning is is through the vineyard management company that we're working with, aside from, you know, reading and talking to as many people. But we found um, or found one another. Jessica Cortell is managing it from, from Vitis Terra. And we talked to a few different vineyard managers and I think really connected to, to Jessica's kind of vision. She was able to take us stumbling through what we thought the vision for this property was and you know put it into an actionable plan or yeah. say okay this is what we need to do to to get to where where you want to go and you know Jessica's a very inspirational person um, her own property is is incredible and you look at the things she's doing and think about how that may translate to to this site which is is different but that kind of spirit of a farming would in what we believe is is the right thoughtful way um, but also trying things out and continuously learning and continuously trying to to find better ways to do this uh, yeah, is like, is really inspiring and what are ways that we can you know jessica wants us to get the the pigs yeah. but what are ways that we can incorporate animals as ways to reduce the number of passes by the tractor because there's so many tractor passes in yeah. organic farming and you know what are ways that we can use cover crops or other you know more natural inputs to get to the same result as you know maybe a spray that you're using from you know an organic perspective you know i think that's really you know getting our feet under ourselves with jessica's help i mean her as aj said her team has been beyond helpful yeah. and the time and you know thoughtfulness they've put into this has been amazing but you know the next steps are really Kind of having those conversations about how can we slowly start experimenting or you know incorporating mm -hmm. things slowly mm -hmm. to figure out ways that we can get to more of a truer sense of what we want this place to be um and so yeah i think it's like finding these high level ideals that that you want to work towards and starting there so our starting point is I would love to, to never put a till in the ground here ever. You know, I would love to just have cover crops that are, are reseeding every year. And I would love to never run the tractor um, for, for a myriad of reasons. But having a, a, a great team of people that Jessica has, they're able to say, okay, those are great, but there are some practical things we need to do to deliver high quality fruit. And we're gonna we'll work towards those goals, but here's the plan. Mm -hmm. So I feel like having like these high level ideals and always being open minded, always being willing to to learn, listen to people with you know more knowledge than you. And not being dogmatic, not saying yep. we have to be you know biodynamic, we have to be you know we have to do X Y Z because that's what this you know mentality says. It's yeah. you know what does this land need? You know to us it's like we don't have kids 
yet, but you know, it's, it's our baby. And so what can we do to help it survive and thrive? Yeah. And you know, whether that's X or Y or Z or a combination of all of them or none of them, like it's going to tell us and we're going to do what we can to support it. You know, these vines were planted in 1999 and or 2001. 1999, 2003, and 2005. So. Yeah, and so they've been around here pretty long. Um, and so we're just here trying to figure out a way to make them, I don't know. Last another 20-some yeah. years. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the learning is, is obviously not only listening to one person, but listening and consuming as much from as many people as you can from conventionally farmed vineyards all the way to, you know, naturally farmed vineyards. Um, or, you know, some vineyards people are even farming pretty, pretty wildly. And looking at all those perspectives, trying to understand why people are doing it and how they fit into to your value set, but also not being, A, being unwilling to compromise on some ideals, right? Like there's, like, if we never want to farm this place less than organically. It's just not something that, that we personally believe in. Mm-hmm. But again, having a, having the, this value set, but being willing to be open-minded and learn and adapt, like understanding that we don't know, no one knows everything about farming or winemaking or, or this industry and just always being committed to, to learning and growing and, and being able to, to change as, as you learn new information, not being afraid to, to make those changes while still kind of working to that ultimate goal, which is to, and, and this is so high level to almost be meaningless, but like to farm, (laughs) this place as naturally as possible let let nature do its thing as much as possible and us slowly taking more and more step backs steps back while always again balancing delivering high quality food yeah and i think another plug for why wine but you know as we've been saying you're constantly learning there's always going to be something different you know every year has a unique challenge you know you may have been doing this for 10 years, but that means you've only seen 10 vintages. And while I think that makes some some people in the industry kind of scared and sad, I look at it, and I think you do too, is, is really exciting. You're always going to have a challenge. There's always going to be something new. And as people who are extremely curious and like to learn, you know, what better what better thing to get into than wine? Yeah. You know, there you could study this forever and never know everything because every site has something different. Every region has something different. Every year is different. You know, it's, it's the opportunities are endless. Yeah. So you it's, know. it's agriculture, it's, you know, chemistry, it's, it's art, it's community. Like wine is all of these things. And I don't know if there's a, a lot of professions that allow you to kind of tap into all of these different parts of your brain and all of yeah. at least these interests of ours. Um, you know, you're not only running a business, so you're you're stimulated that way, yeah. but you're connecting with the land and learning agriculture and you're learning sales and you're learning marketing. And it really, you know, you're just scratching the surface right now. You know, yeah. we are just scratching the surface right now. But, you know, I think we love that there's constant challenges. Um, yeah, it, it teaches you as much as as, you know, we're dictating it or, yeah. you know, trying to, to, to make a wine or farm. Uh, a certain way like it, it it truly is something that gives so much back to you and getting back to that idea of community like we, we were like well, you know what do we want our lives to be like how how do we want to live how do we want you know our our future kids to 
to live? Where do we want them to live? And, and what are kind of the, the ideals and value sets that, that we want them to grow up around? And, you know, the choice we made, good, bad, or indifferent, is, is, is this. Um, and, you know, we, we have loved every minute of it. And, uh, again, we hope to just continue to grow and learn and, you know, impact, hopefully, people po- as many people as possible positively as possible. <laughs> Wow. That's that a lot of that's peace. That's tongue twister. Yeah. Peter Piper. So, yeah. might have to edit that one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, on that note, you announced some pretty exciting news over the weekend. So, tell us about the next step in this process. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go um, for it. Yeah. So, I mean, this is obviously, but it's been in the works, you know, since we acquired the property. But, you know, as AJ mentioned earlier, you know, we got to work with two tons of fruit from this site for 2021. And so, you know, we just launched our brand, which is called Through Line Wines. Um, and, you know, we're excited to just get it out there and to share with people. And, yeah. um, you know, finally kind of it was scary to put something that, you know, you've been working on for so long into, you know, the universe. But also <laughs> that's the whole reason we want to do this is to share with people. And yeah. so, you know, to be vulnerable and to put it out there was really exciting. Yeah. And and it's it's good lead into I think how we went from possibly illegally making wine in <laughs> Portland to to making wine at, at a extremely small but way larger scale than than I think we envisioned for the first time we were doing it and we we had made friends with Ryan Sherman uh, from Communicate Wines who I know you you've interviewed um, through a mutual friend and we'd met him a few times when we came out here he helped us when we were looking at properties and you know, we, we were kind of offered the two tons when we bought this property. And of course we said yes. And then immediately we we're like, well, what, what do we do now? Um, and we, I called up Ryan, was talking to him. He was like, I could easily take on two t- tons and, you know, help you guys make it. Um, it's probably the, the right way to, to say it um, yeah, we are- from a legal perspective. Um, so we made with Ryan, two tons of wine down at Methven, um, down in uh, Dayton this year. Um, and so, so that'll be exciting. That, that'll, at some point, probably in 2023, be our first release. But it, it, it's fun. And I think it's a natural evolution of this process is, you know, we are so excited to see what other people are going to do with this vineyard. And we're working with quite a few of them this year. Um, but then we're, we're also going to slowly learn and and grow and while we're even learning to make wine you know start to decipher the site we made wine from one block block 11 all the way down at the bottom of the vineyard one clone um, from one vintage so how little we learned in the grand scheme of things is, is pretty crazy um, you know there's six different clones of Pinot Noir at different aspects and elevations throughout this vineyard so it's incredibly exciting this year to get to start to scratch that surface a little bit more understanding that the road is extremely extremely long and we're never going to become experts but you know to to again make the best possible wine we can and learn a little bit more each year and adapt each year is is incredibly exciting and really get you really get to tap into the think like that creative side and I, I I think we do look at it as something that could be as simple as something that you open a bottle with friends and never really think, you know, another thing about what's in the glass to, you know, hopefully creating something that's really beautiful and that people want to think about. And, 
you know, it, it, it's okay for all of those outcomes. But from our perspective, it's trying to, to do as much as we can to make the best expression of this site and eventually other sites throughout the valley that we hopefully get to work with um, as we can. And it, it being our expression and, you know, not taking comfort or validation in what other people necessarily think about the wine, but, you know, what we think. Did, did we do it the right way? Did we follow the right process? Did, did we, you know, at a micro level, make decisions based on what we thought was right with the goal being the best possible wine, not, you know, maximizing value or, or maximizing um, exposure or those types of things. Mm -hmm. Throughline Wines. So tell us about the name. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll let you definitely take yeah, that one. Yeah, AJ, AJ could go on for 20 minutes with this story. And it may not one. even make sense, yeah. but uh, I will it certainly will get take... It from A to Z, but I don't know how I'll yeah. get there. Um, so we actually, we came up with the name, I think probably when we came out here for our honeymoon, you know, before we even knew that we were going to start looking for properties, but, you know, the word through line, which I suppose is technically two words, um, but the phrase is something that we said a lot when we were talking to other winemakers, you know, that we were talking to in the industry, you know, the connection between, you know, the, the land and the winemaker and, you know, the consumer and what's in your bottle, the connection between, you know, people that we respect at, you know, from one brand, how they might've worked for someone else and how there's truly a connection between everything and, and everyone in this industry. And, you know, as, as we've said, it's a small, it's a small valley. Yes, you learn really quickly. Yeah. But I mean, the reason that we're doing this is because we want to create something to share with people yeah. and what a better way to capture that concept than to say, you know, the through line was between these two things. And so it's, it's a word that we were continually saying and, it just kind of really resonated with us yeah. and so we think it conveys it conveys our intention it conveys everything that wine can be for people and so you can interpret it how you want you know yeah it's um, connection yeah it, it, it's all about connection connecting with the people you're drinking with connecting this place to what eventually makes its way into the bottle connecting the plant to to the grapes like it, it, it means a multitude of, of things and all kind of swirling around this idea of, of connection um, and, yeah. and, and community. And um, we, we felt it was fitting because it could, you could interpret it kind of the way, the way that you want and hopefully in, enjoy the wine and the brand in, in the way that you want to connect with it. You know, draw, draw your own through lines. Um, so it, it just felt Katie came up with with the name or proposed the name, um, and and it just worked. Yeah. And people pointed out that through line and wine rhyme, which I yeah. guess is true. And maybe was not the intention. But maybe it's Bader Meinhof, but now you're going to hear the word, the phrase, all the time. Yeah, I hear it all the time, and you know maybe we're on alert for it. But anytime, I like anytime somebody says it, it's yeah. like, whoa, we, we need to get this trademarked. We we can't have anybody else in the valley stealing this. <laughs> Should have done that before we started telling people what the name is. But. It's trademarked. <laughs> I would never have doubted. Katie a is years. still a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think the idea that it can mean so many things to so many different people is also, you know, we want to be a brand that resonates with people our age. It resonates with people our parents' age. It re resonates with the next generation, and 
I think you can see that the Willamette Valley is, you know, moving on to now a new generation of winemakers yeah. who obviously respect um, everything that was built here. But it's exciting to see, you know, wine become something that people our age can connect with mm -hmm. because I think for so long it was considered something that, you know, our parents connected with. And we just want this to be something that can mean anything to anyone. Um, and it's fun, you yeah. know, like wine is fun. Like we've, we've said so many, you know, kind of thought provoking things. I don't know if they're Sorry. thought provoking, but we've attempted to say yeah. thought provoking <laughs> things here, but it's fun. It's about connection. It's about enjoying time with one another, which, you know, seems so much more important, you know, after the last two to three years and, you know, to have a chance to create something tangible that we get to bring to our friends and say, this is this is something that we created and we, you know, you can open it mm -hmm. and enjoy with someone else. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just super exciting. Yeah. And uh, playing such a, you mentioned like this being the next generation now of, of winemakers, thinking about the Wyatt Valley and the scheme of the history of wine is, is nothing, right? From a time perspective, we're looking at thousands of, of years in some places. And it's, it's really exciting to, you know, obviously this, this place exists because of, you know, the, the Charles Corey's, the, the David Letts, like those people laid the foundation for, for why we're even sitting here. And it's, it's in, incredible and inspiring. And, you know, now we're on to the second and, and probably not the third yet. We're probably still in the second generation uh, of winemakers. And there's people really doing incredibly exciting, inspiring things. And, it, it makes it a really fun time to be in the valley. I feel like there's enough knowledge where we're learning from the past and maybe not making some of the initial mistakes that, you know, thankfully other people made for us. And we're going to make our own set of mistakes <laughs> and have made plenty and we'll continue to. But that like spirit of experimentation in Oregon is is really fun. And, you know, that's thinking outside of, you know, Pinot Noir and, you know, Pinot Gris, I guess, originally now kind of Chardonnay, which has become, you know, kind of the the, the keystones, mm -hmm. the the grapes that we fell in love with, and you know, uh, this entire vineyard is planted to. So not certainly denigrating those grapes, but seeing people work with with other varieties, and you know, understanding that this place is so young, and what it looks like in 20 years is going to be completely different, you know, and there's the effects of climate change, which are going to dictate changes, but also people just, you know, saying like, let's try this or let's try that and, and see what happens. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but at the end of the day, hopefully it enriches the conversation and, you know, maybe that's a regional or local conversation. Maybe it becomes a national conversation, but just trying to be additive to the industry in as many ways as possible. Mm -hmm is is really exciting I, I i truly think it's one of the best wine regions in the country because of that spirit of community and exploration that really exists really strongly in this place and i didn't have, didn't even have to ask you about the future for oregon wine we're <laughs> natural interviewers you are you are tell i don't me, think i've looked at the camera much but. No. Literally, literally every lawyer i've ever interviewed has been so must be something in the profession tell me about for the next for yourselves you've talked about just just getting through a line off the ground you're just kind of getting ready for your first release coming up next year what are your future goals for the space for your brand and and kind of for yourselves here on this on this space 
Yeah, I, I, this is not, this is going to be like a little bit of a non-answer, but I, I think just truly allowing it to become what it becomes, right? Like, I think we, I think we view both this place and the brand, I think we view ourselves more as, as shepherds rather than dictators, right? Like allowing the brand to, you know, the goal is to grow it every year if, if possible, but to, to not force anything, to navigate that learning curve slowly, navigate the learning curve with this place slowly and allowing it to kind of develop naturally and recognizing that we could certainly set goals, but they're not going to, they're not going to be what it looks like in five years. And, you know, and, and that's part of the fun. And I think that's part of the thoughtfulness and intention that in every decision that we make, we want to make the best decision for that moment while working towards this larger, somewhat nebulous something. But, but as long as you're making the right small decisions, then I think the path to the larger decision will be what it is. And it hopefully works out, you know? Yeah. And it, it is going to work out. Yeah. It's going to work out like it works out. And we just want to try and stay in the moment and, and enjoy it and, you know, continue to, to meet people and learn because I feel like that's where that that's like what is stimulating to us is that never ending quest for knowledge and learning and learning business and, and art and agriculture and chemistry and all these different things is, is, is the fun of it. And yeah, we truly believe making the small decisions in the best possible way is going to result in something beautiful, regardless of what we know today, what that thing actually looks like. Yeah. And, you know, I'm excited to have people start coming out here, friends yeah. and family. And I mean, when you're we the have... first people to utilize yeah. the seating area. Know, so thank you. Excited. Um, you know, back to what I, I, I mean, very long ago, back to what I was saying, but I love helping people. And that's true of my, my day, daytime profession. But I love, you know, we love having people over to our house yeah. and to host people and you know, that's a big draw of, you know, us wanting to make wine part of our lives is to share with people and to feel like, you know, anyone who comes into our home or to our vineyard is part of our family. And, you know, just to be able to have people up here and to experience, you know, what we are fortunate enough to see every day is, is a really exciting, you know, thing for me on the next path of our journey. Yeah, it's a beautiful medium to share something that's incredibly personal to us, this place, our wine. And to hopefully, you know, create memories with people because of that. And, and again, they can create memories either with the wine or the vines or the place or, or the, the view, valley. Or they're or, there yeah. with their friends and they want to drink wine. And we just, yeah, we, we want to cultivate view. happiness. Um, yeah. And, and again, and take people down whatever path they want to go down. And, you know, treat everybody from the people like us who arrived here with not a single clue about wine um to to hopefully people that are that are experts and are coming out here for different reasons but you know i think if you try and treat everybody the same and give everybody the same opportunity that that we were given it, it's just going to result in things that are beautiful across the board um, and hopefully better than they are today um, for everyone So all the questions that I have for the two of you, uh, is there anything I didn't ask that I should have anything we didn't cover that you would have liked to cover out here today? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think so. You know, it, it, uh, again, thank you yeah. guys. Uh, it 
we again have imposter syndrome a lot of times so we feel <laughs> incredibly small um in the grand scheme of things but i do think that what, what you guys are doing is is really important and we're really grateful to to play a really tiny part of it and mm -hmm. you know hopefully in 10 years we can look back and and revisit this and you know com compare hopefully we're better interviewers um, <laughs> by then but you know also it, it'll be really cool to look back and you know see where we were as we sit here today versus where we may be mm -hmm. in in the future and continue to enjoy the other interviews and uh, again they're they're truly a, a really cool thing for me personally to, to learn from like I feel like I get a lot out of learning from all these people who I may not have the one-on-one the -on -one time to to ask a million sometimes annoying questions of so um, <laughs> so thank you guys for for this this is yeah. this is really cool and continues to to be inspiring to us excellent well thank you so much for that it's, it's really great to hear and, and we are appreciative uh it's interesting when you put something out into the world, you never exactly know what it will do for someone who sees it or listens yeah. to it. So yeah. I'm really glad to hear it. Thank you both so much for your time, for your hospitality, for this amazing seating space that got warmer and warmer as we sat in it. <laughs> it's yeah. warming okay. up. I'm going to go ahead and let you off the hook. All awesome. Right, thank, thank you. Thank you. Guys. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all our supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have helped make our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you from the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield University. With a very special thank you to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.